When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. Brought to you by Cherry River Hard Seltzer. Only 90 calories, natural flavors, and no preservatives. Now available in Quebec Grocery and The Beer Store. Marinero, the sick podcast, and the Montreal Canadiens have finally hit the midway point of the season. Thank God. And uh, the show is brought to you by Cherry River Hard Seltzer. Only 90 calories, natural flavors, no preservatives. Now available in Quebec grocery stores and at the beer store. Joining me right now from RDS, Francois Gagnon. Comment ça va? Uh, very well, thank you. More Better than the Canadians. It's funny because I was listening to what you were saying and I said, oh, is he going to say that they found the, the bottom of the barrel already? And maybe not. And I don't know. Is it a good news that we have already... I uh, got the first half of the season done because it means there's another half of the season coming in and this second half could be worse than the first one. You know, Francois, Man. as you know, I've been preaching for a rebuild for a long time. Okay. Yeah. And it hasn't even started yet, but I, I will admit this, right? It's draining. Like it's one half of a season of losing and it almost seems like it's two seasons like built in one type of thing. But once again, they've only hit the 41 game mark. And in Minnesota on their final game of their road trip, they lose by a score of eight to two. Probably one of the worst, if not the worst losses of the season. Well, in my mind, it's the worst loss of the season because, you know, uh, because of what happened on the ice and because what we heard after the game in the comments. Uh, Happy with the start? Okay, you scored a first goal. That doesn't happen often, so you're not all happy about that. But it lasted, what, uh, one minute and 13, 15 seconds? After that, not only were the Wild the best team, but Montreal was opening everything for him. You know, there was no clogging defense, nothing to make sure that at least the Wild would work a little bit to get to the goaltenders. Both of them were not good, by all means. Kevin Primo was way better in Denver than he was last night in St. Paul. But, you know, he was left alone. And, and, and poor McNiven, who's coming in third period for his, his baptism of, uh, of the NHL. I mean, the best team or the team that helped McNiven the most last night, it was the Wild who decided, okay, we're going to go easy with the kid. We're going to shoot only seven times on him. But they, they scored three goals. 
that was the worst game that I've seen them play in a long time, not only because they gave eight goals, but because of the way they played or the way they didn't play. They didn't and, fight anywhere. They yeah. opened the door. And that was Dominic Ducharme that said at the end of the game that he kind of liked their start, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Josh Anderson also. Yeah. Um, Anderson did go on to say that they were fatigued, the whole team, and but he did say still, you still have to dig deep. Look, it was a very long road trip. It was a very difficult road trip, let's say that. But, uh, you know, there were just too many guys that gave up on the game, you know, and, and Jeff Petrie, I understand that some players, they have good seasons and bad seasons. It, it happens. I get that. But I think we're beyond that now. For a guy who's making $6.25 million a year to look like he's inferior to defensemen in the National Hockey League who make $1.25 million a year, to me, it's not normal. And he hasn't admitted this, and he won't. And I'm sure the team won't because you never really say a player wants out. But it looks like he's not happy here. Or it looks like he's just given up on the season and or the coach. Well, I would say there's a lot of the the latter. I know for a fact that before the changing of the guard, before Jeff Gordon got uh, hired as uh, VP of Hockey Operation, that Jeff Petrie never asked for a trade. Was he happy about everything? Obviously not. Uh, and when he got that injury and when he was uh, let go for a while, I thought it would be uh, very good for him because that player needs to play with confidence. And whenever he's bothered a little bit by something, it's getting blown out of proportion. And it gives us what we saw again last night. Bad plays. It looks like he doesn't care. And that guy is way too good to play the way he's playing now. He've said many times this season, ah, the system is tough. We're still learning the system. Uh, we're still not communicating. For me, there's some signs there. And he's not the only one. He was the most vocal, but he's not the only one who said those kind of things. And that's the reason why I start to believe that even though Jeff Gorton said that Dominic Cham was safe until the end of the year, and even uh, uh, Kent Hughes came in and said, well, uh, at least I'm going to meet the guy first and I'll try to understand him and learn what he wants to do and everything we'll see from there. And as much as I understand that they won't win, and it's a, maybe a good thing that they lose more than they win to get higher possibilities in the draft picks, on the other hand, at some point, you will need to make a change because you cannot let things go the way it's going right now because the players will lose fate and then they will start from scratch with somebody new next year. So I don't know what they're going to do. But one thing that I would do if I would be uh, in their position, and I mean Gorton and Kent Hughes, I would have a serious talk with the team. Involving the coach, involving the team and say, okay, where do we go from here? Because the letdown that I've witnessed last night for me is a clear message that the players don't care about anything. The system, the coach, their teammates, the fans, obviously reporters, but you cannot, it cannot last that way for 41 games. If there still would be only 10 games, Tony, I would say, okay, forget about it. 
but there's okay, but let, but let me throw games. something at you. Interesting observation, Francois, and I know you wrote about it on LDS.ca, uh, which I, I would tell people to go and, uh, and, and give it a read. Having said that, let me throw a scenario at you. You replace Dominic Ducharme, and I know you're probably going to tell me, Tony, don't worry about it. The team's not good enough to go on a roll. But let's just say that they do. Let's just say that they replace the coach. They bring in a new coach. There's a jolt, takes a couple of games. Then all of a sudden, they win 8 of 12. Mm -hmm. And then uh, they, they lose a couple, and then they win four in a row. And then they lose a couple, and they win another four in a row. They still won't make the playoffs, but now all of a sudden, you're going to an NHL amateur draft that's going to take place in Montreal in July, where that, for the fan base, is basically their Stanley Cup final this year. And you went from a team potentially that could have had a top three pick to a team that could have had a seven or eight. Now, scouts will tell you that at seven, they might end up getting a better player that's at third. But that buzz in that arena that that fan base so desperately needs won't be the same. Okay. Two ways to answer your question. First thing first, if you make a coaching change and the team wins five in a row, seven out of ten, that brings you to the trading deadline in a better situation because Petrie, because Chera, because all the players that you want to let go their value will go up and you might get a little bit better return than the value that you get right now because the way they are playing. That's first. Second, let's say that at the end of the year, instead of finishing 32nd, they finish 31st or even 30th, whatever happens. I'll bring you back for my example to 2016-2017, Colorado Avalanche, the last team in the history of the NHL in an 82-game season to not get 50 points in a year. They got 46. They finished dead last. They go to the draft. Fans are happy. We get to the lottery. We're going to win. We're going to win. Whoa, perfect, perfect. Well, no, they don't win. They go from first to fourth because Jersey, Philly, and Dallas won the lottery instead of them. So, They look at Nico Ishiago go to the, the Devils. Sucks. They look at Nolan, uh, no, uh, Nolan Patrick go to Philly. Oh, we like that kid. And, and they look to, uh, was it Iskanen that uh, went, to Dallas? went to Dallas? Iskanen and, to Dallas. So they dropped the oh, car at number four. Bingo. Bingo. You're winning the draft, even though you lost the lottery. So draft is big. Draft is important. But what is important is not where you pick, is who you pick and what you do with all your picks. So the way things are right now, I see, and that's me. I, I hear you. Wrong. You can correct me, correct me if you I want. I hear you. But the way I see things going is that it's so bad. Players don't care enough that you're going to take some bad Uh, vibes and some okay. bad habits and you lose that focus that a new coach could bring to prepare the team for next year. Tony, Tony, yeah. six time in the last 11 games, they have given one, two, three, four, five goals or more. I understand that. 15, 15 times this season. Here's the challenge. One, two, three, four, five more goals. They are giving out more shots or to the, uh, the teams every, every night. 
Yes. It's a bad habit, and you have to change that. Even though they're not winning, you need I to change that, that and change that soon. I understand. Here's the challenge that we're going to have here in all this, right, is that um, I know you want them, if, if they bring in a new coach now, uh, the new coach understands, uh, puts in his identity, his philosophy, and by next year, uh, they could get off on the right foot. I get all that. The challenge that I have is that you're talking to a guy who hopes that they're just as bad next year because he looks at Bedard and he looks at Michkov and he's starting to dream. That's the challenge. Okay. Well, then, my message is not for you, but for Mr. Kent Hughes and Mr. I got Jeff it. Gorton. I got it. You know, Mr. Gorton, you signed a letter uh, a couple of years ago in New York. Do the same thing. Yeah. Tell me. Tell me as a columnist that looks at those situations and try to find ways to uh, get, you know, a better situation, getting better out of bad things. Yeah. And tell tell me, you know, Gagnon, uh, drink whatever you want to think. Drink. Go for a walk. Stop watching the games. I want my team to lose this year and to lose next year. So see you in two seasons. And then you can keep Duchamp if you want, because he's not a bad coach. He's a victim of the situation more than anything anything else. But well, we've seen a lot of good coach being fired before in the history, and we'll see a lot more. But yeah. you know, you know as much as I do that they won't do that. I know yeah. where you're going. I know where you're going. But still, I believe that if this team is able to get rid of the players that wants out and find a better structure for the people the players that stay in yeah get something going they won't win and they won't be part of the playoff next year but at least you'll see a rise that will bring that team to better and better season the uh, players that francois brought up that were in the draft the hishers the heiskanens the makars of this world if you want to pick up their jersey sportbuffshop.com for all of your officially licensed sports apparel and our sick merchandise is this a joke use code sick 15 for 15 percent off on all of their items all right okay you brought up jeff petrie's name and um let's just say he wants out you know as well as i do that the challenge, though, with what you said is Petrie will have three years remaining on his deal after this year that will pay him $6.25 million a year. Every time we speak with GMs, Francois, they tell us how complex it is to make a trade in the National Hockey League now because of contracts and everything has to equal out and some teams don't have the cap room and all that stuff, which leads me to believe that if Petrie is going to be moved, and I believe he will, I believe, and I'll say it now, that Jeff Petrie will not be a Montreal Canadian when next season starts. But if he's going to be moved, that's the type of player with that kind of contract that more often than not is moved in the offseason than they are on uh, trade deadline day. I, I agree. And and there will be a, a big job of communications that will need to be done by uh, Kent Hughes or Jeff Gorton or Chantal Maccabi to make the fans understand that, you know what? We have traded Jeff Petrie and his contract. We're not getting a lot in return, player-wise or draft pick-wise, but we are gaining a lot in in salary cap space, and that is a huge value. And those equations, Tony, yeah. will be important for the Gallagher's of the world, for the uh, Carey Price of the world, for all the other players that might be moved around, not only in Montreal, but somewhere else. Now, I understand that for you and I, and, and for the fans, cap space doesn't bring you victories. And furthermore, 
it brings you in a situation where you, oh, no, it's going to take two more years, three more years. Again, they're coming with the cap space, but that's the reality of the game. Yeah. And if they want to build strongly and for a long-term period, they need to be wise with their money. Get the example of the uh, Minnesota Wild last night. I was you just going there. One, one legit superstar in that team. Correct. And his name is Kirill Kaprizov. Matt Dumba is a bona fide number one defenseman. I would not call him a superstar, but I would have him in my team any day of the night. Yeah, for sure. But look at that team playing. Yeah. They play as a team. The second line, the third line, everybody plays the same. They are working. You open the zone the way Montreal did. Well, the fourth line is going to kill you. Eric said exactly. Greenway and Foligno. Do those guys work? And it could be considered a third line for the Minnesota Wild. But, you know, Kent Hughes brought up Bill Guerin's name when he was introduced as the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens. And I had a chance to speak with Bill Guerin, and he was hired two and a half years ago from the Minnesota Wild. They were a top 10 team last year. They're a top, they're better than a top 10 team this year. And that's, that's a reset that they did. And one of the things, when you talk about cap room, 23 months into his tenure, he alleviated uh, some cap space by buying out Zach Parise and buying out Ryan Suter. And I don't know if that's the path that they're going to take with Carey Price, but Price and the Petries of this world, those are big contracts that is hard to trade during the season. I believe that they will not be Montreal Canadiens very much longer. Maybe, you know, I don't think Petrie starts next season and maybe Price does, but he'll be, I think he'll be elsewhere within a year from now, just my gut feeling, or a year and a half from now, max. But you brought up a word before, communication. And I'm going to try and tread very carefully on this one because I don't want to be disrespectful because it's definitely not my intention. You know as well as I do, uh, Francois, coaches, GMs, they'll always tell us that systems in the National Hockey League, they're pretty much, they're, they're, they're almost very, you know, pretty much everyone plays the same system and there's a tweak here, there's a tweak there, but everyone knows all that. Dominic Ducharme has said on more than one occasion, come on, they can understand the system. It's the same system I used with the junior team and all that stuff. Let's just say Dominic Ducharme has taken a system and has tweaked it a little bit and put his variation in there according to the personnel that he has. I watched the press conferences. I know that you're a part of those Zoom calls. And once again, I'm going to say this respectfully. Sometimes... The message to me, it gets a little bit lost in translation. I find that Dominic Ducharme has a difficult time in English um, getting his point across and communicating it. Can it be, is it at all possible, and I'd love to get your take on this, that he talks to the guys in the locker room or he tries to explain something and they're not quite clear, possible, or is that a stretch? Well, I think it's possible, and I will go a little bit further than that. And with all due respect, I, I, I think that the way things are right now, it's kind of obvious that, you know, they don't buy it. And systems are systems. I understand that. You know, I've been in this business a long time. I spoke to many coaches, some coaches that had no systems, some that had a lot of systems, some that were coaching with their gut more than with systems, all kind of coaches. And some of the best coaches told me, you need to implement something. 
guys need to understand what you want, but you need to give, give them some leeway also. And you also need to understand what the other team is giving you. Sometimes I was asking some great coach, coaches that have more than a thousand games and won a lot of games and went to Stanley Cup finals and, you know, they did some good things. And I say, okay, what's your system? When you go with the puck, what do you want to see your players do? Well, what about a dumb question? I want them to look around and see what the opponents are giving them because you play with what you get. It's okay to say, okay, I'm going to dump the puck and chase. If we not, don't have anything else, let's do this. But if there's some openings, use them. And that's what the Wild did last night. You don't have a finesse hockey team with the Minnesota Wild, but the way the Canadians were spreading out all over the ice and not competing, everything was open. So that line of uh, Greenway and all the other guys, uh, uh, that line of Frédéric Godreau was taking a great care yeah. of the most offensive player of the Canadians. We're having a ball because everything was open. So, you know, I the way I see things, and when I hear the message of Ducharme saying that, you know, it's not that complicated, well, it looks that way. And if the players are not giving what you're asking them, find a way to make sure that you're going to get what you need from them. I know they're not going to score five goals a game, but they cannot give five goals a game. And that's the easy way to play hockey, to clog everything up and to save your goaltenders, especially young kids like the ones that are now. I mean, we all know you go on the road, you play a boring type of game and yeah. you don't give over a hundred shots to the other team. You cannot do that. And for me, even though a lot of things are not, Dominique Duchamp's fault, and in many ways he's a victim, I look at him and I say, hey, coach, it's your responsibility to play with the assets or the lack of assets that you have. So find ways to maximize what this team can give. And it's not an eight-two loss. They can do better than that. They're going to lose. Might lose 3-1. Might lose in overtime if they play really good like they did in Colorado, but not the way they did last night. All right. Uh, we talked about Bill Guerin before. It took him 57 games into his tenure, 57 games into the season for him to make a coaching change, relieve Bruce Boudreaux of his duties, give the interim tag to Dean Evison, and then five months later, he gave Dean Evison the full-time job. Uh, you piqued my curiosity with this one because Kent Hughes said that the type of team that he wants in an ideal world uh, is a team that moves the puck fast, a team that will play puck possession hockey, uh, and a team that will be an offensive team. He did preface it by saying that he would need the personnel for that to happen. If they make a change now with Dominic Ducharme, are you looking at putting someone in, like, like giving it to Luke Richardson between now and the end of the season, or already hiring the guy that will be the next coach of the Montreal Canadiens. And if that's the case, who can you think of that is available and that fits what Kent Hughes wants? I would make, if I decided to make a move, I would do it sooner than later because I want to prepare next year. And because if my mind is set, I don't want to lose that candidate. So that's the first part of the answer. Second part, three names plus one. The plus one will always be there, and it's Patrick Roy. He was there for the uh, GM job. He will be there for the head coach. He would be there for the Zamboni driver machine, okay? So he's always going to be in the equation. But I put him aside. My three other candidates. First one, Pascal Vincent. 
who grew up with the uh, Winnipeg Jets, who left Winnipeg to get an associate coach a job uh, with the Columbus Blue Jackets. He's doing wonders over there. Pascal Vincent is ready to be a head coach in the NHL. Ready, okay? If he's not there yet, or if he doesn't get there until the end of the year, and I believe that it's going to be a move in the summer, he will replace Paul Maurice as the head coach of the uh, uh, Winnipeg Jets next season uh, uh, because Maurice left and Lowry is there for the interim fashion. I, I don't believe he would like or keep the job for, on, a, on a, um, a prolonged basis. So Pascal Vincent is available now for head coach, head coach job. Yes. And if he's, if he's my guy, I don't want to lose him to Winnipeg, so I move quickly. Second yeah, but it, it, very correct me if I'm wrong. Very rare that a guy who is currently an assistant coach in the National Hockey League at the midway point of the season takes over a head coaching job with another team in the National Hockey League. Well, I've seen that before with the Ottawa Senators when Pierre Gauthier went to pick Jacques Martin from Colorado in a season where the Avalanche went to win the Stanley Cup. He was not prepared to bring him early, but the team was going so south that he had to make a move because fans were not showing up anymore, and he had to do that. So it's been done before. So that goes for Pascal Vincent. Second candidate, Benoit Gros. Benoit Gros has developed some kids that brought the uh, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning to the Stanley Cup. Not all of them, but many of those players. He is a rugged type of guy, very different than Pascal Vincent, who would be more than uh, the Dominique Duchamp type of guy, more cerebral. Can be tough at some times, but, you know, more a cerebral type. Not, not that uh, Benoit Gros is, uh, is not cerebral. He's, he's a hockey genius in his ways, but he was rugged. He was tough before, and that hurt him uh, along the way. He's been with the uh, Lightning organization for many years, and I believe that he will have learned a lot to find better ways to deal with the kids and with professionals. Not to, downplay, not to downplay the competency of any of the two candidates that you just brought up, but it should be said, though, that it is, once again, and I understand the realities that are the, mar the market of Montreal, the toughest place to coach in the entire National Hockey League, you correct me if I'm wrong, the most pressure, the media pressure, the fan pressure, the history behind the Montreal Canadiens, two coaches who have never coached one NHL game as a head coach. I agree. I agree with you, but that are ready. I know for a fact, that Ben Gru wouldn't be bothered half a second with the pressure. He's that type of guy. I don't know Pascal Vincent on a personal basis enough to know how mm -hmm. he would be able to deal with that, but for Benoit Gru, I have no problem. He's more the Patrick Roy type of guy. Let's put it this way, okay? And he's ready for the job. And yes, the coach needs to speak French. But those guys, even though they have no NHL experience, have a lot of background in hockey for a long time. They're not kids that are coming in. Yeah. They are real professionals that paid their dues around the NHL and are ready to move on. If it's not in Montreal, it's going to be somewhere else. Can I guess who your number three is? Well, go for it. Is it Guy Boucher? Well, it has to be Guy Boucher. Yeah, it has to be him uh, on my list because of what he did before. Uh, uh, He's ready to come back. He is, how can I say this? He is, I would say, 
the midpoint between Benoit Grou and, and Pascal Vincent can be really cerebral at times, can be real tough some other times. Sometimes he was too tough. Sometimes he was not enough. He was giving a lot of rest in Ottawa with the Senators players because he felt and his equation was rest is strength or something like that. And it hurt him on the long run because some veteran players were uh, taking over Uh, that rest periods and yeah, yeah. they were getting a little bit lazy and the GM there was not happy with that kind of situation and it cost him his job. But they all learn. When you lose your job, you understand why. What happened there? I gave too much to this guy. I protect too much that one. I'll be better next time. So Guy would be ready for that kind of job. And I know that he thrives with pressure. The pressure would be here. So those three are my candidates with Of course, Patrick Roy being not far in the equation. I think a lot of it depends on Vinny LeCavalier, who played for Guy Boucher for three years, who's a meilleur chum of Kent Hughes. I'm sure he's already uh, asked Vinny. I'm sure he already has a scouting report, put it that way, on Guy Boucher. But if Vinny enjoyed his experience, that puts him in pole position. And if Vinny did not enjoy his experience, I don't know if he did or he didn't, then that doesn't. Having said that, and I'll ask you one question before, uh, but first, matrixhomefitness.ca. Look at me. I went from five chins to three chins, Francois. Uh, I'm even, I, I'm even, I'm even burning calories. It's pretty cool. Bring it home. Discover a club quality workout in the comfort of your home and visit matrixhomefitness.ca. Okay. Here's um, let's end it with this because um, Guy Boucher was not unanimous. Some thought he was a genius for the power play. Some thought he was going to be a modern-day coach genius. And others said, oh, my God, this guy's killing hockey. Um, and everyone remembers that game versus the Philadelphia Flyers where Tampa Bay just sat back and didn't move, waiting for the Flyers to move the puck. And the Flyers said, you know what? We're going to get you to move. And Tampa Bay didn't want to move. And that obviously was not good advertising. If Kent Hughes wants a team that is an offensive-minded team. Is Guy Boucher a fit when everyone thinks back to that game between Philadelphia and Tampa and he was asking his team to play defend and counter? Uh, and not my, possession and not offense. My answer to you would be yes, just like the other candidates. And what I like with those three candidates is that they will be able to get, in my mind anyway, the maximum of the players that they will get, that the Kent Hughes will give them. And that's important for the next two or three years. Again, I'm going to come with an example with Ottawa because that's where I started my career. They were dead last. They were bad in all facets of hockey. Jacques Martin comes in and says, you guys, you know what? You're not the best hockey players. So we're going to play defensive, boring hockey just to get structured enough. And we will learn with that. And we will learn with that. And then the kids coming in, the Alfredsons, all the other kids, the Asas are coming in. Suddenly, they have strength offensively. What did Jacques Martin did? He opened up. For many years, the Ottawa Senators were right there in the top three teams for goals scored. Not only defense, but for goals scored. So give coaches, the players, give them... The, the, the tools to make sure that you can play fast hockey, 
puck possession hockey and offensive hockey, and they will do it. They are bright. They work 27 hours a day watching videos, dreaming about hockey, talking about hockey to find ways to get things going. Right now, nothing is happening in Montreal because that team is bad. That team is hurt by injuries, by COVID, by the, the atrocious number of bad defeats. Yeah. But at some point, you will need to turn things around. And again, I'm not blaming Dominique Champ for everything, but the way I see things, they are giving way too many shots. They are losing badly way too many times for him to being able to get things going back on and work for the better future. If Dominique Duchamp is not the coach of the Montreal Canadian for next year and the years to come, I think that sooner than later, and I would do it sooner, you need to replace him. All right, you went to Ottawa. I'm going to go to the Cobra, the Parcoulette, the Villa Salle, where I started my career. At one point, the team was losing. I went to the president of the club. I said, when are you get rid of this coach? He said, we can't. I said, why not? Because we're paying him already too much money. We have no more money to bring in somebody else. I think that's going to be a part of it. I also think that if Kent Hughes relieves Dominic Ducharme of his duties after watching him for four or five games, a lot of people are probably going to say you didn't give him the benefit of the doubt. It was the lost season. It was the COVID depleted decimated. So my bet is that they will not relieve Dominic Ducharme of his duties this season. I'll end it with this. You th yes or no, you think what? I think you have a valid point, and uh, it might be the way it's going to come. But if it would be me, and I would have a candidate that I want in place, I would do it sooner than later. Francois, I always have fun chatting with you on the Sick Podcast. Thanks for doing this, man. Thank you. Have a you can day. follow us on our Facebook page at the Sick Podcast, our Instagram page at the Sick Podcast, our Twitter page at the Sick Podcast, and subscribe on YouTube at the Sick Podcast. It's absolutely free because this podcast is sick. Eight two loss in Minnesota? Is this a joke? No. Salut, Francois. Bye-bye. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow The Sick Podcast on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Cherry River Hard Seltzer. Only 90 calories, natural flavors, and no preservatives. Now available in Quebec Grocers and The Beer Store.